0: the king, the king of kings,
1: and your knees die. welcome to the Unscripted Wrestling podcast. I'm Dan.
0: I'm Doug. Fine I'm here <laughs> We'll
1: rehearse next day. Yeah, uh, it's nice to see. How's everybody's week?
0: Pretty good. Good.
2: Good. Very yeah, good. good here. Now we know we're gonna have a uh, we're gonna have another good show this week, but next week the good shows might end because Eric's coming back.
1: <laughs> the grand return. But, uh, yeah, you're funny.
2: Yeah. King
1: of the Ring 1997, that's what we're talking about this week. It's going to be a big
2: one. Yeah. Uh, The anniversary of that will be, I think, on Wednesday. Do we have Workers of the Week? You want to get right into it? Uh, I To be honest with you, I'd say my Worker of the Week would be, uh would probably be Seth because he won the title. Yeah. It would either be Steph or it would be Chris Statlander for finally winning a title in AEW. Even though technically, like a lot of people are going to taint the title win because Jake Cargo already wrestled the match.
1: Yeah. I like Jake Cargo. I and
0: mean, she's going to be taking time off. She'll be yeah. back. Well, she'll be back.
1: All right, King of the Ring,
0: 1997. I, uh, I do, not, do you have not have one. I do not Nobody. really have one. Okay. Right, I'm
2: Yeah. <laughs> Can we move on? Can we get going? Sure.
0: All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> we're in Providence, Rhode Island at the Civic Center. No, we're not. We're in North Wales, Pennsylvania. name. Oh, the pay-per-view, all right. 13,312
1: people in attendance. The tagline, it's bound to get medieval. Brace yourself. (laughs) King of the Ring 97. Our big matches here are uh, Shawn Michaels and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Obviously, the King of the Ring tournament. And we have Undertaker versus Farouk for the WWF title in the main event. Right. So, we got some big guns going in. Talk about the tournament and talk about the legacy of the King of the Ring,
2: Doug. So, basically, King of the Ring was kind of... King of the Ring technically started as a house show tournament in 85. It kind of just, like, it it was a gimmick for the house shows. In 93, Vince wanted to expand his pay-per-view calendar, so he started doing these King of the Ring... Started doing King of the Ring as a pay-per-view. It would usually be like a 16-man tournament, start off with and then like the, either the last four or the last eight men would battle it out on the pay-per-view. Uh, in 97 for some reason and I think it's because their roster was kind of depleted due to a lot of injuries uh, they had only I think it was only eight, eight men that were in the tournament. And uh, so like you had the final four that were going into that were going into King or into the King of Ring pay per view. But yeah, the roster pretty much not I depleted might be the bad word, but might not be the best word for it. But there were a lot of injuries that people were getting like Brett was technically still hurt. Pillman was still technically getting over an injury. Mark Merrill had been down since February. Rocky Maivia just got hurt.
1: So we had a depleted roster going to this thing.
2: Yeah, which is one of the reasons why you only had eight. Well, technically only seven men competed in the tournament because Helmsley got the nod to go in there twice. Yeah. Because uh, Vader still wasn't technically cleared after Shamrock basically moved his face over to his ass. Uh, After that no holds bard match at the uh, cold day in hell in your house. So, like, and it's kind of hard when, and Vince didn't really have a, they didn't have a lot of guys on their roster at the time anyway. And it was also more, ta- they had, like, a, a deep enough tag team division at the time. Uh, So, but, like, it's not tag team King of the Ring. It's
0: fucking. It's regular King of the Ring. Yeah,
2: so, but yeah, like, King of the Ring technically, like, <laughs> If you won King of the Ring, especially in those early stages, you were geared for a big ass push.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, Austin won the King of the Ring the year before and it was you know, pretty it was a pretty good run for him. Owen Hart had a pretty decent career after winning King of the Ring. Brett had a pretty decent career after winning King of the Ring. Uh if Mago wasn't such a big, fat idiot, he would have had a decent career after King of
0: the Ring. Yeah. Uh, sure. Go ahead, No, uh, I got a question for you. So you okay. said that the roster was depleted going into the King of the Ring tournament. Now, we all know Triple H won, and he was entered back in the tournament due to a technicality as he announced on the, during the pay-per-view. Right. Exactly. So, if say the roster wasn't in, do you think he'll still make it The Triple H would have won the King of the Ring or give it to someone else?
2: <laughs> I think he was always slated to win King of the Ring. I What I think would have happened was I think because he... Ahmed Johnson qualified for the tournament by beating Helmsley by disqualification. I think what would have happened was it would have been... I'm thinking it would have been Helmsley versus Vader in the in the uh, semifinal at King of the Ring. Yeah. Because they were trying to do stuff with Vader at the time, too. So... But I'm saying like the roster is depleted because usually like you have uh, so many like like you have like so many matches overall like uh, you know it's usually sixteen men are trying to qualify and so then you do like a couple weeks of qualifiers and then yeah you do like the the one night second round yeah the one night is is the official first round of the King of the Ring. Uh, so then, like the quarterfinals or whatever, and then, you know, you head into the, you head into the tournament, into the pay-per-view. But I think like with the roster being as kind of depleted as it was, like you can only get like a couple of weeks of television out of it. Cause again, you know, there was so much stock kind of going into the hard foundation versus Shawn Michaels and, Stone Cold Boston storyline. They probably, they didn't want to beat Ken Shamrock yet. Yeah. Uh, There was just... There was too much going on, I Who think. Who wins in
1: 98? Shamrock's 99, right? You no, know, Shamrock won in 98. And Billy Gunn's 99.
2: Yeah. Very
1: okay. good. Yeah, but I thought this card was solid and underrated, and let's get into it with the shitty first match. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Ahmed Johnson and Hunter Ernst Helmsley did not tear the, the building down or anything. No. Ahmed Johnson, great look. I I, I kind of loved the character. I thought he could have been good, but the man just could not
2: wrestle. Oh, and that's the thing is, that, yeah, he had the look, and, and he got hurt too easy.
0: Yeah, that's and, two big
2: flaws. Yeah. Because Bruce Pritchard says all the time that he just looked too damn good. And they were going to go places with him. After this, when he turns heel, he was supposed to have the title shot at the Calgary pay-per-view against the Undertaker. But Crush kicked him in the knee, tore his fucking patella, and he had to have surgery.
1: Holy shit. Yeah. But yeah. What did you think of this match, Cletus?
0: Uh I thought it was a very boring Wolfram. Yeah. The King and the Ring match, it did not really feel like a King of the Ring match you know, to me.
1: I agree. I thought Helmsley kind of tried, but it
2: seemed to no avail. Yeah. And what, yeah. what's and funny about Ahmed India. Johnson is if you look at where Ahmed kind of got his start as far as like mainstream wrestling, Ahmed started in the GWF. was there in 93, 94. You know, same time, you know, he kind of got brought up by the same people that, you know, brought up a JBL and made him a, you know, helped him kind of, you know, get his first big break. Uh, but, like, you know, and even back then, like, he wasn't necessarily a good worker, but he was able to match that with, like, being the big, scary heel. But here, because they were trying to punch him as a baby face, at least up until they tried him in the nation, it just it didn't work. Yeah.
1: It didn't work. I, and I agree, and There's some cases to where I thought the Ahmed Johnson project could have worked, but ultimately it comes to him not being able to work. So it's kind of hard to put him with anybody when he's a liability to get hurt. Right. So I give this match one out of ten stars.
2: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that.
0: Yeah, I'll agree.
1: And
2: now we go into
1: our next King of the Rings semifinal to – determine who's going to meet Helmsley in the main
2: event, we have Mankind and Jerry Lawler. And I thought this was a little bit better. It was, and it just proves that even though like Jerry Lawler could spent more time clapping his gums at the commentary table than he did in the ring, when you go in there and say, hey, King, we need you to make somebody look good or we need you to take a few bumps, yeah, he, just, know, he would do it. And he makes sense for this particular tournament. Yes, yeah. the king. <laughs> so, by the way, this is actually the first time he's ever. Or this was the first and only time he ever wrestled in the King of Ring tournament.
1: And since you're kind of doing a babyface type deal
2: with mankind,
1: he's a good heel to go through before yeah.
2: hitting Hunter in the main event. And by the way, like they just decided like that day that they were gonna pu- that they were gonna push Mick as a uh, well. That whole interview series he did with JR.
1: Yeah, that was the deciding factor.
2: Yeah, even though he manhandled J.R. during the during the damn thing.
1: But it was such a nice retrospective into his life. I think fans. I think yeah. that one kind of came naturally.
2: Yeah, and then like it, even J.R. is just like, look, I don't blame you for what happened. Like you were being you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was good stuff. Yeah. But this match, I thought it was it was pretty. It was better than the first one. What did you, you think, Clement?
0: I liked it better than the first one. I think the King really made McCauley look well. So I want to give it, I will say, I'll give it a six out of ten.
2: I'll say say six, too, just because, again, it was, you know, Mankind was just settling into that babyface role.
1: Yeah, I give it a 6 as well cuz I thought it was solid. It didn't do anything crazy, but it was a good it was a good little match and Jerry Lawler was it's a good first heel to put you in that babyface role. Yeah. So uh yeah, I thought it was all right. <clears throat> Gold Dust with Marlena. This isn't really anything on the line. He's going against Crush with Dlo Brown and Clarence Mason and Crush is still in the Nation, correct?
0: At least until the night, at least until the next night. This <laughs> is.
1: Uh, I thought this was better than expected, to be honest. Uh, I thought Goldust. I mean, he was past his not past his prime, but the character was evolving in kind of a different way. And I don't, I don't know if the babyface rot was the best. But when, when they started talking about the kid and stuff, I don't think I think they wanted the same effect with Goldust that they got out of mankind, and I don't right. think they did.
2: So, and we talked about this because I think we did the episode of Raw where, like, they really started kind of taking Goldust out of his shell and all that. Yeah. Uh, I believe we did it about a year ago. And it's just like, you know, you start to show that he's a family man and all that, which the Goldust character should not be a family man. No. He should be a... A weirdo. Yeah. And... uh, they always wanted that Macho
1: Man, Miss Elizabeth factor. They tried to get it out of Mero and Sable, but then Sable was too hot, took over Mero. And yeah. they kind of tried it here. They they liked the it couple
2: back then. Yeah. Well, and it, one of the reasons why it didn't work, like Macho Man and Elizabeth worked because Elizabeth really didn't want the spotlight. Uh, and Macho Man kind of protected it. Well, you know, he protected Elizabeth I mean he wouldn't let Elizabeth near anybody, uh, you know, basically threw a chastity belt at her and then threw her in a closet. But uh like uh, like but the whole thing is that like, you know, with Merrow and Sable, like when they tried to recreate that Marjorie and Elizabeth feel with them, Merrow had no problem sharing the spotlight with Sable because, you know, he was not afraid of he didn't have insecurities like Randy Savage might have had. And I love Randy Savage. But yeah. it was insecurities. Uh Marrow didn't have those. Boy he should have. Uh because, you know, everybody wanted to see Sable more than they wanted to see Meryl. Because Meryl's character just wasn't captivating. It wasn't connecting.
1: No, it wasn't to the level of Macho Man.
2: Right. And with Goldust and and Marlena, Goldust could match the wrestling skills of Randy Savage. To an extent, yeah. To, to an extent. And the Goldust character was about as outlandish and over-the-top as the Macho Man character.
1: Yeah, in a different way. And Marlena added to it, but I think it was more the mystique of the relationship that made it. Yeah. Rather than you don't
2: fucking go out and admit that the two of them are. You didn't need a peek into that, and and it kind of ruined
1: the relationship too. I mean, I can't speak to the personal stuff, but uh, it didn't seem like shit went well when around this period. So, but Gold Dust and Crush was actually a pretty solid match good baby face match when he kind of punched Clarence at the end for talking or D-Lo, he punched D-Lo yeah. for fucking with Marlena. I just, I thought it all worked. I would give it a, another six out of ten. I thought it was a solid match for this card.
2: I would say seven. I would probably, I would have given it an eight had he hit Clarence because I fucking hate Clarence Mason. What? He's a lawyer. So. <laughs> uh, and, but he played that lawyer character do a fucking T. Well, because he actually is a lawyer, All mm-hmm. right, That's one of the reasons why he got brought in, is that like they needed, you know, kind of a lawyer for uh, Jim Cornette uh, and they found this guy who happened to be a practicing attorney, so they said, all right, we're going to bring him in and he ended up being, you know, believe it or not, he ended up being a pretty good manager Yeah, because he could talk uh, or he basically knew how to, you know, man, uh, manipulate the system.
0: Yeah.
2: You know the the legal system, and he fucking he irritated the shit out of me, but he was good at his job. But apparently not good enough, cause he actually got fired from the nation the next night too.
1: That's funny.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah. What do you think of this one, Kevin?
0: I enjoyed it. I will definitely agree with Doug. What a seven out of ten out of this match. Good back and forth, and things from Lolita. I like even better.
2: And what's funny is that like there really was no backstory here, except for just like Gold Dust technically had a feud with the Nation like a few weeks before. But, you know, going back to the old days of, you know, these pay-per-views, a lot of times they would add in that extra bonus match, you know, for, uh, for a show. Just basically so that you knew you had enough time on the card. Yeah. So uh, it, it, they, WWF did it, WCW did it.
1: But it's like it's one of those things that why wasn't this a King of the Ring match?
2: Te- technically, like if they really wanted to do that, like I mean, again, if the roster different. wasn't de- depleted, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: then they could. This could have been a King of Ring Man match- and you could have had like Helmsley. I mean, mankind needed to be in that final because that really helped his character.
1: It was a good final for the both of them. I like the way it played out, even if the first match wasn't that great.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, I thought this was good. All right. One of my favorite matches on the card, the Hart Foundation, Owen Hart, Jim Neihart, and the British Bulldog go against Psycho Sid and the Legion of Doom. With all the ga- I would like to see Psycho Sid and the Legion of Doom teach a math
2: class. Oh, my
1: God. RIP to the Legion of Doom, by the way.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, in when they were around.
2: You realize that of those six, Sid is the only one still alive?
1: Yeah. That is sad. Yeah. Some of the best talents still in the world.
2: Exactly, and you had uh, six of the uh, five of the most powerful men on the planet, and Owen Hart. Uh, <laughs> but Owen was the best worker of the six. Yes. Okay. Because Owen
1: was the w- best ring guy. British Bulldogs next to him. Because when he's on, he's on. Yeah. He can be off, but when he's on, he's on. Nightheart's got some chops. The Legion of Doom are what they are. They're a spectacle. They don't need to be in Ring of Workers. And Psycho Sid's kind of the
2: same way. He's a good power guy. Yeah. I just, I want to be whoever was the agent that had to let those guys know. Because Sid and LOD, yeah. they don't do a lot of jobs, especially for people that are smaller than that. Yeah. So having to go up and say, "All right, one of you has to take the finish." And by the way, the smallest guy in the match is going to be the one pinning you. You're done. I. They they must have taken the scissors away from
1: Sticks
2: <laughs> to let him know it's like, oh, "Dude, you're taking the fall."
1: He wasn't doing arts and crafts when they told him.
2: Oh. Uh but like, just because, by the way, like, Hawk and Animal did not lose a lot the no. by, by pinfall. No. They barely ever got pinned.
1: Yeah, cuz they were yeah. so big, yeah.
2: Around this time they got pinned more.
1: Yeah, especially when the Billy Gunn stuff starts happening. Yeah. Like with the Outlaws. Yeah. And
2: cuz Vince is now cuz you know Vince yeah. got to the point where he's just like, "Guys, you're not the Road Warriors of the 80s anymore. Like, we it's can we can beat talent. you."
1: Yeah. It's time to put over new guys. Yeah. And this did a good job of doing that. I thought it ended up turning out way better than I thought it was gonna. Well yeah. and I thought everybody kinda of played a good part in
2: it. Yeah, and that's one of those things too where uh you know, you were also starting to build towards the Canadian stampede, the five on five. Yeah. Which by the way, Sid was supposed to be in it.
0: Really?
2: Anybody wanna take a guess as to who replaced him?
0: Uh, no, no <laughs> gold dust it was dusty, yeah, gold dust was
2: not originally supposed to be in the match. It was gonna be Sid, but Sid got pissed off uh for having to do two jobs in a row to Owen,
1: <laughs> so you sons the bitches that take poops bigger,
2: well I'm
1: actually,
2: actually, no, it wasn't it wasn't getting pissed off. About, Sid was in an accident.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Okay, so there was a uh, a legit car accident that actually took place the week after King of the Ring. Sid, Flash Funk, Doug Furtis, and Phil LaFont. Damn. And he wrote with the job, guys?
1: Yeah. I mean, Furtis and LaFont, hell of a tag team. I, I remember watching those Raws. Like, I started from 97 to end of 96, and just and I was like, wow. There's a lot of Furnace and on here. Yeah. Especially against Owen and Bulldog. Oh, my God. But hey. good matches, too. I'm not putting them down, but so there was an accident.
2: Yeah. And by the way, uh, you know, you just joked about him riding with the job guys. Yeah. He drove. He drove the job guys. Yeah. Well, fucks getting with the biddies in the back and smoking a bowl. Yeah. So there was an accident, and that accident actually uh, LaFon would continue to wrestle for a little bit, but that that accident did the most damage to him. Really? Yeah. Uh I think he came back. He came back for Survivor Series, but then after that, he went to ECW for a little bit. Realized that go, uh, going to ECW after a car accident probably was not a good idea. Uh uh, mainly because, you know, Heyman wasn't going pay him, to him pay him enough money to, you know, pay his medical bills. Uh, pay him, Heyman wouldn't even pay anybody enough money for cab fare. Uh, <laughs> but, so, yeah, so there was an accident, so that's one of the reasons why Sid had to be taken taken out of the match, and Goldust was kind of getting thrust in there anyway, so they're like, All right, go ahead, you're up. Because they needed you know, they needed five baby faces. Yeah. And they weren't ready for, because they wanted Mick to keep doing this thing with Hunter Hearst-Helmsley. So, instead of putting him as the fifth guy, they said, they looked at the Goldberg and said, alright, you can have it. So, but, yeah, no, th- this match, I did enjoy this match. I wasn't necessarily a huge fan of the finish. Yeah. Uh, but I would still give it a 7 just because of the work rate. Because I do think that that the guys worked hard in this match, especially Owen, for him being the smallest guy in the match. Yeah, And probably the best worker.
1: I agree with you. I give it an 8. What does Clintus give it?
0: I want seven,
1: seven, seven and a half. Seven and a half. Yes. Seven and a half, job. And now I think now the last three matches were pretty solid. They were pretty good matches, but I think the the last three is really when the pay. This is a good paced pay per view. Yeah. Where it builds up and then just gets really good. Shitty
2: opener, but it just gets really good throughout. Yes. And it starts with. Uh, go ahead. I was just gonna say. Like, we do have to kind of bring up, there was an interview segment earlier where Brian Pillman was bragging about how he was able to manipulate Austin and Michaels to go against each other, yeah. and then Austin is actually standing behind him, so Austin shoves Pillman's head into the commode. <laughs>
1: uh That was funny.
2: Uh, you know, Brian Pillman, he's called the loose cannon for a reason. Uh. But, uh, but yeah, no, so I thought that was... A loose Luce
1: Cannon got th- thrown in the yeah. commode.
2: Yeah, loose Cannon got uh, thrown into a cannon.
1: I've seen that segment a few times.
2: Yeah, it was actually funny to watch.
1: It's, you know that little rivalry was crazy when the two most infamous moments involved a toilet and a gun. <laughs> uh, all right, match number six. By the way, uh, the free matter, the dark match uh headbangers mosh and thrasher they go against jesse james not the road dog yet but he's with a different gun he's with bart i just thought that was interesting
2: yeah and what's funny is that bart knew because they weren't pushing bart at all yeah bart was actually one of because there was a lot of people back then that were having issue with the fact that china was beating them up and bart was one of them Because Bart was actually the first guy that kind of beat the shit out of him.
1: Really?
2: Yeah. And, like, a lot of the guys are just like, we don't want to get beat up by her. It's going to make us look weak. So he did this match here, this dark match. Then he wrestled the next night on Raw against Billy Gunn. And then he went to Japan until... He went to Japan and wrestled there until they called him back to be one of the new Midnight Express for the NWA storyline. That's funny. Yeah. But, uh
1: all right, Hunter Hearst, Helmsley, and Mankind. King of the Ring final match. This is the King of the Ring winner. Triple H gets it at the end after 20 minutes. I thought this was a good, really good match for both guys. I thought it kind of made Helmsley look a lot better than the first time, first
2: match. Yeah. And,
1: uh yeah, I thought the right guy won. I don't think we need, Babyface King of the Rings never really makes sense anyway, so.
2: The few times that they've done it, it just hasn't worked.
1: Yeah. Brett made sense, but the rest were like, what are we
2: doing? Well, technically, I think they only did it twice. Or no, because Edge was starting to be a babyface when he won. Yeah, he was, because he was going against Kurt. Yeah. So, Brett made sense. Shamrock, I think it was just because they kept fucking him over for the Intercontinental title.
1: Yeah, when it's done, I'm not saying it's done bad. I'm just saying it just seems like a heel thing.
2: Most of those are. Like, if you look at King of the Ring, and you look at, like, a Money in the Bank, that's heel shit. Yeah.
1: That's super heel shit. It can be a cool moment for a babyface, and to switch it up.
2: I mean, if you're getting a title shot after. Yeah.
0: But it's a cool heel thing,
2: especially if you're not going to have the heel be the champion.
0: Right.
1: Uh so I'm all for it. But I, I thought it was a good match. what did you think, Clinton?
0: See, I enjoyed it. In a way I wanted Miss police to win. Especially with the whole I don't know how he talked about um uh Paul Bear not being part of not being part of it and deciding with the undertaker to take care of his own personal problems. With the taker and pain and situation like that. I wanted mankind to win well, I was, I'm fine with it. it was a great match on either way,
1: yeah
0: absolutely
2: yeah it it was one of those things where I do think that even with a loss, it did elevate him. Obviously, I'm talking about because he's the one that lost, duh, uh. Like, it elevated him, and obviously this is a win that Helmsley kind of needed because, you know, you didn't know, you know, he kind of floundered a little bit last year after the whole curtain call thing. Yeah, on purpose. Yeah.
1: But for, like, having to eat a pile of shit and learn to love it. Like, he only had to wait a year, really, to... Well, and he won the Intercontinental title, like, four months later. Yeah, he never, like... They they make that bigger than what it was.
2: He yeah. didn't get punished that like, hard. I, oh, yeah, you're going to eat shit. Okay, you're going to give him the Intercontinental title. You're going to give him Mr. Perfect, even though Perfect doesn't last that much longer after because he wanted to get back in the ring, and Vince is just like, you don't have it anymore. Yeah. And so he's like, fuck it, I'm leaving. Uh, but you're going to give him the Intercontinental title, and then you're going to give him fucking... Well, first you try it with Mr. Hughes and then Mr. Hughes calls him sick. And, you know, then they go and they get China. So you're going to make him kind of almost this unbeatable heel.
1: That's not really eating a pile of shit.
2: Yeah, no. Not-
1: said, said, Brian Kendrick, or Paul Lundy got fired for smiling.
2: Yeah. like, And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that Sean kept, Sean was the king of the hissy fit. Yeah. And I'm sure Sean kept going to bat for Hunter. They were gonna let Sean's boy go. Yeah. Uh, mainly because they knew all those guys were gonna reunite in WCW anyway.
1: Yeah.
2: So, like, the whole thing, and then him winning this king of ring. And by the way, like, Mick was one of the first people that actually had no problem with China hitting him. Really. Yeah. He's like, I think we can get this thing over. So let's actually try. Yeah, it works. Yeah.
1: I would give this an 8 out of 10.
2: i do
0: the same thing.
2: I agree.
1: Cluneth agrees. Good. Speeding along here. Yeah. Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold. Double disqualification and ends. It goes about 23 minutes. These guys have good chemistry, and it was fun watching them work. Yeah, and but,
2: by the way, they were tag team champions at the time.
1: Yeah, this was a fun little. They had a good dynamic.
2: Yeah, and by the way, like the, there were supposed to be two matches on this figure. It was supposed to be Brian Pillman and Steve Austin, and Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, and Bret and Shawn were. It was going to be a ten minute time because. Brett felt like he wasn't going to be able to go that long. He's like, all right, I'll do 10 minutes with Sean. And if I lose, I'm never wrestling in the United States again. Yeah. So everybody automatically thought it's like, okay, maybe Brett's going to leave. Well, Brett had a knee injury at the time, which Shawn Michaels called bullshit on. Which is very hypocritical. Yeah, Shawn Michaels, you know, lost his smile once he found out he was gonna to have to lose the WWF title to Brett at WrestleMania thirteen. Uh, but Brett had or so Brett had this knee injury at the time, but he thought he was gonna be able to go. Yeah. Well they they could not agree on a finish. Really? So, like, they actually erred They couldn't agree on a finish, and Brett wanted to kill Sean for the sunny days comment.
1: Oh, yeah, that was after that.
2: So, when Sean and uh, Austin won the tag titles, Austin attacked Brett, and Brett made it sound like, okay, I can't go because your buddy, you know, Austin, took me out. Like, he re-injured my knee. In reality, it was Brett and Sean wanted nothing to do with one another because they could not agree on a finish.
0: That's
2: crazy. Because Sean wanted to beat Brett and send his ass back to fucking Canada because that was going to be the stipulation. Yeah. Brett wanted to beat Sean so he could get his win back from the year before. Yeah. That's all he ever wanted. Yeah. He, He wanted Sean to put him over first before he would put Sean over again. Yeah. Sean had no interest in doing that because Sean Michaels can't do business back then. Right? Yeah, he could not do business back then because he was, you know, he had the maturity of a three-year-old. Yeah. So they could not agree on a finish, and Pillman's just like, all right, well, fuck. You know, they really didn't want, and Vince really had no faith in what Brian Pillman could do in the ring because Brian Pillman couldn't be flying Brian anymore. Yeah, he was getting hurt. Yeah. So they're just like, all right, we'll do Michaels and Austin. It's not a bad option. No, not at all.
0: What'd you think of this one, Clement? Oh, I enjoyed it. I'll enjoy it better than the um, WrestleMania fourteen match. It was hard-hitting, and the fact that it was tag team champions made the story even more better because not every day you see tag team champions earn each other respect by going one-on-one each other in the ring. Now, the double-squalification part, I thought they could probably do something, something else better, but it is what it is.
1: Yeah. It didn't really need that. I agree.
2: Yeah, it didn't need that. And by the way, like, I'm giving an, an 8 out of 10 myself. Me too. Uh, uh, it it didn't need that, but I, I don't think you could really get a winner out of this yeah. and, and not hurt. I mean, I don't think Sean needed a win. Uh, Austin could have used a win. Like, it it would have helped Austin, but Sean sure. wasn't really into helping people at that time. Yeah. I mean, he would help you get fired. Like, big help. Yeah, big help in that. But I don't think Sean needed it. The only thing Sean needed at the time was his ass kicked.
1: You would have to wait a little longer for Stone Cold to do that.
2: Or Undertaker if Sean didn't do the job at WrestleMania 14.
1: Yeah. That's
2: a funny story. Yeah. It's a funny story because I can I mean and certain people have like tried to debunk it over the years but like when Bruce Prichard says, Oh yeah, no, like Undertaker was Undertaker was gonna do it and like Jim Cornette, you know, verified like Vince Russo said, Oh no, bro, that didn't happen. <laughs> so, you know it did. Uh, I mean, Undertaker didn't have to beat his ass, but. But, yeah, like when you had somebody like Undertaker kind of go up, go up to you and say, all right, look, you know what's best for business is to get this guy over. So, do the job that we want you to do, or I'm going to beat the shit out of you as soon as you come walking through the curtain. That was a, I mean. You can't blame him though He was always that locker room leader Yeah And So No I, I definitely don't blame him. I To be honest with you Even though Sean did the job I wanted Sean to get the shit beat out of him
1: Yeah you wanted him to still do it
2: Yeah Because Sean Michaels Was a no good bastard Uh. And then Like there was even this scene Where uh, A special Olympian kind of fell through the guardrail and Sean got up and uh, you know because the kid was a Shawn Michaels fan or whatever I was actually expecting that no good piece of shit to super kick the special Uh,
1: I'm glad he didn't
2: yeah me too but it would not have surprised me if he did
1: I don't think that would have aged well
2: Yeah. yeah not at all
1: yeah this was an amazing match all right main event time We got there already? We got there already. It's going to be a quick one. Everyone can settle in for SmackDown. Undertaker with Paul Bear, who's the champion, going against Farouk with the Nation of Domination at his side. This is like
2: peak Farouk and peak uh, Nation before they kind of switch. Before they switch over and, and the Nation becomes more hip and cool and less political statement. Yeah. Well, because he makes the switch over, D'Lo, you know, gets in the ring more, you know, they have Ahmed for a little bit, and then Rocky comes in, and then, uh, you know, Kama makes his way back, you know, the future godfather. Yep. So, yeah, it, it was, this definitely was kind of, and Pete for when they thought that they could really, you know, get a lot out of him.
1: But I thought they did here. I thought he did his job well, and I yeah. actually thought this was a better – this is another one that was way better than I thought it would be, and it was actually a solid main event for the pay-per-view.
2: Yes. By well, the way, I, again, and I told you this, I had never actually watched this pay-per-view until we watched it the, uh, the other day. Yeah, and I'm glad – yeah, me either, but I'm glad we did because it was a solid thing. Yeah, and I was not expecting it to be solid.
1: And this main event was even – even though a lot of people would look at this, look at the card and be like, why are Shawn Michaels and Cold not on top? Right. But I thought this was a serviceable main event. Undertaker, even though he was still the dead man, that he was creepy and shit, he was a pretty good babyface. Yeah, because and he was cool.
2: He was being held against his will by a fat guy. Yeah, uh, it was funny. They do the interview beforehand, and Doc Hendricks is saying pretty much saying without saying it. He's pretty much looking at Undertaker, saying, "Look, I know this fat fuck has you against your will. Like he's." you know, got you chained up in a basement covering you with Krispy Kreme donuts uh, and licking your nipples. But remember, no matter what your secret is, we all still love you and no, and whatever this guy has on you can't be that bad. And then, like, you went to interview him and then Paul Bears is like, no, wait a minute. He does what I say. He does what I say. Yeah.
1: And look, Mr. announcer, I can beat your ass. Yeah. And
2: I, I was waiting for Doc to just haul off and hit him. Yeah, like, But the problem is, you hit Paul Bear and knock him down on the ground, it's going to take 75 people to get him back up.
1: <laughs> All right, Pete. Uh, yeah, this was good. What did you think of this, Clint? Was it a good main event? Did it live up to expectations?
0: Yes, I think it did. Now, now don't be wrong. I I tell you too I did kind of enjoy the whole like the the race thing in it, the storyline building up for it. Because at the time, it's really true. We did not really have an African American champion, but Baruch going for the WWE Championship was was a big deal in life. Yeah, I completely agree. I agree. And uh, with that alone yeah, with that alone that made the match where it was.
1: Yeah, and I completely understand that. My my only thing with it that I didn't quite get, and this is something that you're you're gonna speak to a lot better than me, so I want to throw it to you. I do I didn't really understand why the nation and Farouk was the heels Because, like when he won the like when he was going against uh who do you win the title from? Vader?
2: In 92, yeah.
1: Yeah, when he won the world title, that was like a babyface one, and he was like one of the top babyfaces in the world, and it was pretty cool, and he was like the good guy. And it was like an, an underdog thing. Whereas this, they, they kind of put him in, like, it was kind of like a militia and to take down the man. Now, I thought it was still cool, but do you think that that worked? Well, do you think it kind of needed, he needed to be a heel or? What's your take on it? All
0: right. If my take is, I don't think it was. I think it wasn't because he needed to be healed. I think it's because the nation as a, as a group was healed
1: Yeah.
0: It wasn't the fact that they wanted to make the whole thing. Uh, Bruce going to be the bad guy in this. I think overall, if you take, uh, if you take away that what is it for the title, I think it'll still be the heel. The nation of domination was a heel is Bruce chill until, until him. So, the fact that it was healed doesn't really bother me. The fact that the the story they were telling, that's what I enjoyed the most out of the match, what made me look forward to watching the match. It was about more of it seems like the wrestling business was more I'm not trying to make the thing seem racial, but it really was racial at the time. (laughs) Yeah, and it was for a long time after. I mean,
1: how long did yeah. we get to, like, Big E and shit? I mean, Mark Henry won in, like, 2011, but the WWE championship, yeah. it took
2: a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. Would it, was Lashley be considered,
2: because Booker T never won the WWE title. Yeah, it was always would, would Lashley technically be considered, or, or, or is it technically Rock? It's technically yeah. Rock,
0: because he's half black. I don't think, because I don't think you really count a Rock as the, that category, even though I don't think Rock claims that something, he's not really wants to claim as that.
1: Yeah, I mean, he they never went out of their way to make it like, oh, this is the first black world champion. But I mean, Rocky John, his dad was African American, so yeah, he is half black. But I think it was because they always leaned on the Samoan shit with him more. Right, but yeah. he, I, I, I agree that it, it was like that for way too long. I don't know why Vince never saw that. And, like, Ahmed was a, co- a cool, like, prospect. And if he could really wrestle, that would have been awesome. And there's been, like, like a lot of talent. Like, Booker T and his prime, like, everyone agrees he should have won the title from Triple H at WrestleMania and shit like that. Right. And, and it's just, I, I completely agree with you. It was like that for a long time. And I think even longer, like, like it's sad that even, like, 15 years past this, it was like that. Right. You know, and, and now it's, you know, everybody's kind of getting a look more and it's not just oh he's got to be white with a fucking military haircut now
2: let me ask you as far as the nation goes like if you notice like Crush and Savio Vegas they're in the nation they're part of Undertaker's Bone Street crew yes then you know you go to the next members of the nation and like you know you had D'Lo you had Ahmed you had Rocky you had Kama, who came back into the company. He's a member of the Bone Street Crew. Mm-hmm. So, do you think Undertaker was kind of the one saying, you know, put these guys in? Because they were his guys. He might have. And that's why, like, he had no problem working with the nation?
1: Maybe, but also, I think it was just kind of a hot act. Because it kind of drew up, like, controversy a little bit. And it was, like, kind of a big deal. When they first, like, came on, and they were, like, a big... And then, like, the gang warfare stuff, and and... and the Nation was it was an awesome group. Front I even liked the Rock years when he was leading it and shit. But I, I thought, like, here they – I think they were just a hot act that deserved to be in the main event. Farouk need with all the work that the Nation was doing and how much time they were taking up on Raw and stuff at the time, Farouk didn't get a main event match. That's kind of, you know, right. a travesty. Like,
2: he, he should have probably got a run at the title, you know, with the group. Well, I remember, like, the In Your House Canadian stampede when Ahmed went down and couldn't do the match. Farouk wanted to take his place. But Paul Bear, like, on screen, like, Paul Bear managed to get Vader in the match. Yeah. And, like, they made a big thing about it. And even D'Lo Brown looked at McMahon and said, are you doing this to because we're black? Yeah. And it's just like, holy shit. Like, And uh, McMahon's like, no, we felt Vader was the number one contender. And Farouk's like, who has he beaten?
1: Yeah. No, it was a really good storyline. And I think if they did more stuff, like, with Michaels, with them as a baby face and Michaels as a heel, I think that would have been cool, too.
0: Right.
2: I mean, and the funny thing is is that, like, afterwards, when Ahmed Johnson hit Undertaker with a Pearl River plunge because, you know, Undertaker was kind of forced to listen to Paul Bear. It's just like, well, first of all, he can't really lift up Paul Bear for a Pearl River plunge unless he had a crane with him. Uh, But, you know, they were telling a story there because Undertaker had a secret that Paul Bear knew. And it's like, you know, they were, this was the beginning stages. Of Kane. Yeah. Of a really good story they were going to tell. And we covered it because we covered the ep- the episode where secret- the Secret had been revealed. And it was a great long-term story. Yeah.
1: What would we give this match? Because I'm going to go 9 out of 10. I thought it was a stellar main event. I'm going to agree with you.
0: <sighs> yes, I will too.
1: I thought, and... To me, Farouk's another one of those unsung heroes of this era. Like, if you just think about him, he was always in good shit. Like, this was good stuff at the beginning. The gang warfare stuff was fun. And then when Rocky came in and he realized, hey, this kid's a star, he had no problem passing him the baton and making him look good and basically giving him his group. And then he fucking joins the APA. He does the Acolytes' dark shit with Undertaker. That's kind of cool. But then he forms the APA out of that with Bradshaw, and they become one of the more fun, entertaining acts of the Attitude Era.
0: Right.
2: Because if you look at how he started, when he came in and he had that stupid Spartacus helmet and all that.
1: Yeah, they tried to fuck him at first. They tried to bag gimmick strap him like everybody else. But Farouk's a great talent. And then you go from all that and then now he's the damn guy. Yeah. And it's just, Ron Simmons is like an unsung hero of wrestling and to me a legend. Oh, definitely. But uh, I I thought this was a a really good match. Like I said, nine out of ten. And I thought it really, like, capped off a good pay-per-view. Like, this isn't – like, when you think of new generation pay-per-views, I guess we were getting towards Attitude there, but to me, we weren't there yet. Uh, we, were about a, we were about a month or two off. So, I thought it was still solid. And for the talent they had, even for a roster that was kind of hurting, I thought everyone put on a really good show besides Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Not to pick on him, because I do like him. But I, everybody else really – you know, had a fire in him, and every match kind of worked, so my final thoughts on it, I thought this was, like, a great pay-per-view with, you know, even
2: the fi- when the filler's fun to watch, you know, it's a good pay-per-view. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, man. the WWF always got criticized back then for shitty undercard, but really good main event. Yeah, and then WCW, you had the amazing undercard with a big name main event that never delivered. Right, because you got to remember... A week after this pay-per-view airs, you get the Great American Bash, WCW's Great American Bash, which is headlined by Savage versus Page, which was a really good, which actually was a really decent main event. Yeah. The other card on that wasn't necessarily, like, there was a lot of forgettable shit on there. Yeah. You know, for example, Mongo and Kevin Green. Yeah, there's exceptions, for sure. But this match, too, you had what? Seven matches on this card? Yeah. About Yeah, about seven, right? Yeah, about
0: seven. Okay. Six out of seven were really good. I agree. I agree. Is that your final
2: thoughts? Yeah. Like, they they did something here. They took something that looked like it was going to blow on paper. Yeah, it did. Mm -hmm. I wasn't
1: that excited to watch this, and I left with a really happy taste in my mouth. Yeah, no matter how weird that sounds, but (laughs) but to me this is an eight out of ten card for an in your house or not in your house, but for King of the Ring that sometimes WWE gives a lot of shits about and sometimes they give no shits about that and the King of the Ring like finale like Hunter winning King of the Ring didn't set the world on fire, but everything else on this card. And including him and in his stuff, I thought it was all entertaining and solid and a fun watch. I'd watch it again.
0: Yeah, it was. I thought it was really good.
1: I mean, I give it an eight out of ten myself. Kenneth, close this out. Yeah. What's your final thoughts on the rating?
0: <laughs> My final thoughts. I, I will figure it. I, I wasn't a big fan of like the undercard as much as everybody was thought. You would be. I was more into it more into it for like the final two. That was Austin and Michaels and Taker of I think those are the main two storylines I think going into this match. Going into the pay per view that they really built up well that that I fall I remember falling through, like I care about watching. I didn't really care about the undercard, even though the matches were okay. I would still still say if it wasn't for those two main cards, I wouldn't have probably wouldn't have found the pay-per-view it's not at all interesting. But I will give it an 8 out of 10 overall.
1: Yes, sir. All right. It seems like we're all pretty high on this one. Uh, I, I agree with a lot of the stuff you said there, Clement, too. But what we're doing next week, we did the draft a few weeks ago. Next week is the big return of Eric. Can't wait for our boy to come back after his long vacation and sabbatical. He's back, and we are going to be finally booking our WrestleManias. So if we got to put it in the group chat to remember our rosters because we did the draft a few weeks ago, but uh, we all drafted our rosters for our dream WrestleManias, and we're finally going to book them next week. And then we're gonna, we're all gonna say which ones we like, which you know matches work, which don't. Yeah. It's our dream WrestleManias with the guys we got. We did free agent
2: signings. Uh, it's cool. going to be a- I think Eric's the only one that has announced his free agent signings, but I have yet I did not write them down so he might have to retell me. (laughs) But yeah, like we we can still do our free agent signings. Yeah. Uh and I do have everything I do have everything written down and plus you can also technically go back and listen to the episode.
1: But I'm excited. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Make sure to check
2: out all our other stuff and Yeah. Uh, so unscripted unlimited will be coming back very soon. Uh, probably going to do an episode before this, but I'm, my target date is July 8th. We're going to be doing a top 10 most underrated cartoons of all time countdown, uh, work. I, I finished the ballot. I gave it to Eric to print out, uh, and he's going to print out some copies uh, he said he actually had to retype some of it because he could not uh, save it to Word from an email. So, more than likely, nothing will be spelled correctly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so we're going to get those handed out and no, now I'm okay. gonna start posing the question to people on Messenger. Uh, so, if you're listening to this and then you get a uh, message from me on Messenger saying, please fill out a ballot, don't ignore me, just fill out the fucking ballot, it's not that hard. Please and thank
0: you.
1: And with all that being said, everybody have a great week. Clint, always a pleasure, and we'll see everybody next time.
0: All right, let's go. All right, later. Oh. Behold the king, the king of kings.
1: On your knees, dog. <laughs> the place where the trader lost both his name and his fate. through the halls and the corridors sinking in blood
0: he tasted his grin and it tasted good the king shook his head